Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing. The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offer the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com slash apply. That's Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. It's the bluest room in town. Yeah, they're actually funny. It is the Blue Room. It is your weekly show. And we're here to talk about toffees. Lots of big developments today. Just before we get started, actually, if this is the first time you're listening to us, if it's the thousandth time you're listening to us, please do subscribe over on iTunes or whatever podcast app you listen to on. Leave a comment. You've got some nice things to say as well. All those things help going forward. But yeah, it is quite a significant show, quite a significant day for Everton. I've got three wonderful guests joining me to get through it. Uh, Mick Greenall, Warren Doyle. I'm Paul McPartland. Lads, we're going to get into the Richarlison in a bit, but I'm assuming you all saw a little bit earlier on when I put on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people are a bit down in the dumps about this. A lot of people lamenting the loss of, probably not a legend, but certainly a modern day Everton great and certainly a cool hero in, in Richarlison. So I thought to try and get the show started off on a really positive note today, I'd ask all three of you, what player hurt you the most when they left the football club. Mick, I'll come to you first, mate, because as a bit younger than all of us, you've probably not had to experience quite as much heartache down the years and maybe got a bit smaller sample size. But is there anyone that stands out for you? Or is it even Richarlison? I was, I was having a think about it before I came on, and I, I was too young for, for Rooney, and I think I was too maybe mature to, to be any, like, to have any real 
feeling when, when Lukaku left or, or even now that Richarlison's gone. I think the first one that really was like, you know, that's wasn't wasn't necessarily sad because of the way he left in the end, but I was frustrated and annoyed that he went with with Lescott. You know, I, I when he was especially the first couple of years, because I think his first season might have only been my second season watching us. So he was practically there for like the, the beginning for me. So for him to go was I was, was really good. Um but now to be fair, when you when I think of Lescott, all I can think of is that six one defeat to, to Arsenal on the opening day of the season. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think if, if one stands out it's it's Lescott, maybe maybe followed by Arteta, but I can't remember what King's there. I think it was Lescott, I think. Oh yeah, it was I think the thing about bad thing about that one as well for me is I remember thinking that at that time City got all this money. Yeah, gonna, yeah, that was the other thing as well. Never going to overtake us, you know. We'll, we'll still be bigger than them and finish above them for, for for a while, yeah. And then when they came and took our best player off us, it was and he was like desperate to go. It was a bit like, mm, yeah, maybe these aren't messing around. Warren, what about you, mate? Any come to mind? Yeah, Duncan first time round was horrible. It was really bad because we were no good then as well, and he was our talisman. He was our, he <laughs> was our figure. And I was a youngster at the time then, and I was probably probably feeling the pain that probably a lot of the kids who support us today are feeling with Richarlison going. But the one for me where the one for me where it really cemented it as look, anyone can be sold at any time, it doesn't matter, was Rooney. And I remember watching that Euro 2004, and I've said many a time on the Blue Room that I've never, I've never been the biggest England fan. But that summer, I was the biggest England fan purely because of Rooney, and he scored, and, and he absolutely decimated France in that first game, tore Croatia apart, scored against Switzerland, and we had a real world superstar and played for Everton, and it felt great and it was amazing. And then slowly but surely, the rumours came out that he was going to be leaving. Newcastle put an offer in. He was close to joining Chelsea. Obviously, Man United where he ended up. But that was the first time where I just thought, I can't believe like he's left us. I'm I'm so gutted. Um, I saw one of the tweets earlier to the reply uh, replying to your tweet, Matt, and one person mentioned, you know, since since uh, I think he said Kinchelskis, since Kinchelskis, they've just been numb to it. And I I feel a bit like that today. And I know we're going to go on to talk about it. I feel I'm just numb to it now because after Rooney leaving, you know, the one world class superstar that I'd seen in our in my time supporting Everton going, it was you know it was. Just left a horrible taste, and since then, I've you know, even then, I still haven't really recovered. But you, you, you get used to these things, and you get used to players leaving. And unfortunately for us, it's it's the state of where we are at the moment, and we've fortunately just got to accept it. Yeah, couldn't agree more on Rooney, that'll be mine as well. Ran out and bought that Red England kit with number nine Rooney on the back, and within a couple of weeks, couldn't wear it anymore because he'd gone to, to Manchester United. <laughs> I had to get my mum to iron the Rooney. <laughs> So I just had an England shirt with just the number nine <laughs> in the back, and that was have his name on it. Uh, Paul, what about you, mate? Any anyone that stands out? Well, I, I, obviously, I mean, as opposed to what, but Mike, I could probably give you a long historical uh, perspective on this. Uh, so, so going back through the decades, Alan Moore leaving Christmas '71 was an absolute devastating blow because it also signified the end of that you know, team that had won two titles, and then we went into 15 years of oblivion. So we never really recovered from that at the time. Go to the 80s. Uh, Andy Gray is my all-time favourite Everton player. And uh, the, the impact he made at 18 months at the club. And then when we sold him at the end of 85, uh, I was just devastated. I couldn't understand why we sold him. He'd been so influential. And that was a crushing blow as well. 
more recent times, yeah, I'd agree with Warren there and yourself, uh, Wayne Rooney going, because it took away a future from us. That was the worst thing about it. We had the best prospect in this football, and it was just snatched away from us, and that really, really hurts as well. And I'm part of a more controversial choice for who I think we missed in recent times. And I'm trying to judge it not just in, in terms of my relationship with the player, but did we ever fill the hole that player left once they moved on elsewhere? Now, if you look at the 16-17 season, it seems like a long time ago now. We finished seventh that season. We were 18 points clear of the team at eighth place. We had a guy who scored 25 goals for us that season, certain Romelu Lukaku. And we have never, ever replaced that, that goal scoring in the team. And I still think to this day, you know, you can trace Everton's decline. A, for squandering the Lukaku money on a load of no-hopers. And also B, we'd never, ever replaced him as a goal scorer. Yeah, I think mean, that's... That's a great shout as well. Certainly not the same connection, probably. Probably, but no, not, no. maybe maybe there should have been. Given, given <laughs> another another one that came to mind as well, personal one. I remember having Gary Speed's name on the back of my shirt. Yeah, and, but I, I, I Gary Speed been down here on my list as well because once you get that ninety seven ninety eight season because he was in the summer we were buying for the future. He was, he was an Evertonian. He was Kevin Radcliffe's paperboy apparently when he was a kid in North Wales. So you know it, it, it was a real loss when he went as well. Yeah, I've had a few comments in on that as well. Uh, Mark Mosey said 100% Arteta, integral to that side, and to be snatched away surprisingly in the last hour of the winter was painful. I think that was another one where it sort of made you realise that, bloody hell, we are in bad financial positions here when we're selling him and bringing in Strachwell-Ersi and Wilson Dreadfair. <laughs> I think at that point, uh, Patrick Ridge said Rooney, then Arteta, none to the rest since. Uh, Dave Sullivan, bit of toffee, saying Rooney's the main one. Devastated when he left. And Les Scott as well, he said, yeah, ridiculously good defender. Daniel Sage, Andre Kanchelskis, the best player of the team for Everton. I still don't think he's been matched since. Andy S. Kanchelskis, Speed, Ferguson, then Hutchison. It was a grim four year period of losing our best players. And David Humphreys said, dunk, dunk, and dunk. Again, um, Nick Barmy gets a couple of shouts as well, but maybe not gutted as much as angry I think, for that one. Yeah, 22 years to the day since that transfer happened, believe it or not. Um, well. I uh, still remember that as, as a young boy myself. But um, let's move on to talk about the big news of the day. Uh, Richarlison is on his way to Tottenham, fee of around £50 million, pounds, with potential for £10 million in add-ons. Not confirmed yet. It might be by the time you're listening to this and it goes out. Something I think, Paul, that we've all been expecting for a while um, just, just first and foremost, before we get into the various layers of this, just your thoughts on Richarlison as a player and, and his four years at Everton. Well, I think you know, the value of Richarlison is the team we've seen in particular this season, because I think those last 10 league games, where we're definitely looking for someone to get us over the line. He absolutely delivered. I mean, he scored six goals in his last nine league games. I always remember the um, equaliser he got against Leicester towards the end of the season in stoppage time. I remember thinking at the time, that point could just be crucial here, you know, just in helping us to stay up. So, yeah, his contributions to the team has been immense. I think we all knew deep down that uh, he was going to go because, let's face it, a club like Everton, unfortunately, these days, cannot hang on to Brazil's star striker, can we? We're just not in that league anymore. You know, the guy wants to play Champions League football. So, you know, I, I don't be good to move him. It's a, ma- it's a massive blow to the club. There's absolutely no question about it. And uh, in terms of that, uh, which play leaving has hurt the most. I think for lots of Everton fans, Richardson leaving won't really hurt because he had a he had a a link and a bond with the fans that not many Everton players have, have exhibited in recent years. 
I think he's given it's all for the club. I think he loved living in the area as well. I think he was always eternally grateful that the residence of a Crosby founders dog that went missing a few years ago. And I think he, he always held it to the heart for that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, all around decent bloke, great footballer, made a massive contribution to Everson. Goal scoring record, about a goal every three games, more or less. And considering he didn't always play as the main striker, that that that, that is some return as well. So yeah, I mean, I, I wish him all the best. I wish he was staying with, with Everson. Sadly, he's not. And uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the DCL uh, Salomon Rondon partnership next year. Moodle's mixed challenge for European place. Rondon uh, rekindled his number 10 role that we saw briefly in Norwich <laughs> uh, back in January and wrapping up when he says his last game. Uh, Warren, what, what about you, mate? How will you reflect on? I, I, I'm with Paul totally on this. I think for me, I've seen a few comments, you know, about, which is natural, you know, we're all upset, we're all gutted. There is a bit of a kick in the gut about him leaving. But I think in terms of a player, leaving the club I, I'm with Paul I can wish him nothing but the best he dragged us out of that relegation mire and dragged us to safety through his performances through his grit through his determination and I for one will certainly not begrudge him this move I think it hurts a lot of us that it's Tottenham because I think a few years ago you know, not all, not in that all too distant past we were on a similar level to Tottenham and we could have pushed past them and now we're, we're light years behind them they've got the new stadium you know, they've got Champions League, they've got tremendous players in the squad. And you you can't begrudge them that you can't, you can't, you know, if if we take our if it was another club, if it was Villa and he was going to Tottenham, we'd look at this and we'd go, yeah, that's a sensible move. Unfortunately for us, because we're Evertonians, we don't quite see it the same. But I, I wish him nothing but the best. I think he's been phenomenal for us. I think I know Dave. Dave maybe disagrees with this, but I think his goal scoring record has been fantastic. I know Dave Downey with you, Matt, has said a couple of times that his goal scoring record hasn't been great. I think for a striker who, as Paul said, hasn't always played as an out and out striker to get one in three in this league for a struggling side as well has been immense. And I think actually what this transfer has taught us is how Everton has failed him and Everton has failed us. Because the signings to back him up and the money spent to back him up and the development of the club going forward has not been good enough. Had we have done what it looks like Palace are doing and what it looks like Leicester have done and what it looks like a number of other sides have done and invested well, we maybe would have kept them with a, with a decent side. I just hope now going forward that the money we get... Listen, if, if we can... <clears throat> I know we may be going to talk about this more in a minute, Matt, but if we can get two or three players off the back of the Richarlison money to invest in the squad and they're good players and they will be players that will improve us. That should be our aim because our squad was not good enough last year. We would have all loved to have kept with Charles and we would have all loved to have had someone like him who, like Paul said, had a fantastic bond with the play, uh, with the with the fans, with the supporters, especially with the youngsters as well, with the kids. It would have been brilliant to keep him, but our priority this summer has to be to improve that squad so we are nowhere near that relegation. Uh, ends of the table again and if we can get a couple of players in with that money then that will improve us and that that is what we should be aiming for so to sum it up I am incredibly grateful, incredibly grateful he played for us I wish him all the best for the future he will get the pantomime booze next time he comes back to Goodison it's only natural especially with our fan base a great reception I think he'll get an initially a good reception, but I think first time in touch it, there'll be a few boos. But I think he will get a good reception. I think we have to remember what he did for us going into the back end of that season and for what he did for us right throughout his time with us. So I've got nothing but um, nothing but respect and nothing but praise for him while he was with us. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's rare, Mickey, isn't it, for a player to leave 
to another club in the same league and for for everyone to sort of be like, well, we wish him really well. It's, you know, there's been so much animosity and there's so much football fans are so fickle by nature that there is, does tend to be something that crops up the player either miles off or, you know, agitates for a move, fans get pissed off. But but it's it's not like that with Richarlison, isn't it? I think that's testament not only to how good he is as a player, but the, you know, as both the lads have said there, the character of, of, of the fella and how he's clearly got respect for Everton and for the supporters. Yeah, I think I think it's also a testament to, to where, as, as fans, we kind of see where the club is now. And, you know, Richarlison's been here for four years and I think no one would have can complain the fact that he's probably maybe even given himself, given us maybe one or two more seasons. I think you no know, one would have, you know, been annoyed or frustrated at him if he'd left us one or two ago. Um, and I think, albeit I understand people's, you know, frustrations that he's going to Tottenham, but um, I think it's a move to... A move that he thoroughly deserves, and I think, I think, him and the type of player that he is on the Conte next next season, next couple of seasons, I think will be will be great to watch. And I think, as a player for, for Everton, I think it's fair to say I think he could, he'll go down in, in the same category the likes of Baines and, and Coleman and Arteta and um, and Kale, those type of players. Um, and I think, he, I think for for a lot of people younger than me, even it will be it'll be really it'll be quite good to see him go, but. You know, it's it's frustrating that Everton and for, for players like Richarlison anyway, we're no longer the the destination for for ninety nine point nine percent of professional footballers, and we've just got to kind of get used to. And, and hopefully, the, especially the people at the football club, kind of kind of look at Richarlison to to see this is what we need to to replicate in, in the transfer windows going forward. I know we spent a lot of money on him; we can't do that all the time. But in terms of bringing him in from from a club below us letting them flourish basically and then sell them on for, for, for a nice profit and then almost getting all the benefits out of them so we you, you can reinvest that that's got to be the that's got to be the pattern going forward and, and, and like you said i think he will get booed at goodison once once the game plays when, when once the game kicks off especially if he goes down <laughs> i think that'll be that'll be, was right all along. <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be that'll be particularly focused on but um but yeah, I think as as an ex as an ex you know oh, as an ex Everton player now, I think compared to, to many others who have left in recent years, I think ninety ninety nine point nine percent of Evertonians will wish him well. We've uh, mentioned Paul about some players that have left and have left us you know heartbroken, and there's been significant sales in, in recent years that Everton have not really done well enough to to replace or not use the funds well enough to to bolster the squad. Where, where would you say this one is in terms of how important and how significant a departure it is? Because we, what we suppose what we've had in with like people like John Stones, Romelu Lukaku, Adrissa Gago, and a few others in recent years, there's always been, I suppose, a bit of a cushion to, to the very bottom of the table and the relegation zone. We haven't really got that now, have we? And I think that's that's my main concern about this. Yeah, I'd agree totally, Lars. I think you know, if you take a cold hard look at where we are at the moment, you know, we finished 16th last season, we stayed up by four points, um, we just sold our best player. And straight away you're thinking, well, you know, A, where is it's not just Richardson's goal, it's an all-round contribution to the team. I think it's one touched upon before. There were certain games where I felt he lifted the team, he lifted the stage. I mean, you know, that game against Chelsea where he he's bobbing the ball on his head running down the touchline. It just gives the whole whole team an absolute boost in the crowd a boost. So we, we are gonna miss that. I, I think 
how we utilize this money this summer is going to be more crucial than ever because, as you just said before, there in the past, when we sold a key player, we've always been kind of had the mid table security. We weren't particularly overly concerned about being drawn into a relegation fight. I think this season, with you know, with a you know, with Marcus Silva's full and coming back, you know, with Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest, there's three quite strong teams there, and so you know, we're going to have to strengthen because you look at our squad now. It looks quite threadbare, and I, I, I know, like you, I do share concern about about the impact of Richardson leaving may have on the other players as well. Because you know, if you're a Calvert Lewin, you kind of think, well, hang on, you know, if he's got up, how much longer am I going to give this club? You know, so it, yeah, it it, it kind of um, this is a concern, and um, how how much money that Lampard will be, will be given to recruits, I don't know, but and I know. It's always like, given our recruitment record in the past, I have no comp. You know, I can see us going out and buying you know, 40 million Pachenko's blood or something like that. So uh, it, it, it would be a real concern for me how we utilize that money. Yeah, I don't know what would be worse. I don't know 20 million on <laughs> Harry Winks. But um, just, just on that one, obviously, we mentioned the fee is 50 million with 10 million in add ons, which you know we believe are very attainable add ons. So we should eventually get to, to 60 million. First, I suppose the two questions to ask about that really. The first one is: Do you think that's that's a good fee for Everton? I suppose that the second part of that is that there's reports doing the rounds today that Everton had to agree a fee today so they could include this amount on their account for the financial year and be in a bit of shape, a bit better shape when it comes to to adhering to FFP, which in turn will allow Frank Lampard to to strengthen the squad a little bit better. I mean, that that latter half is just we all know this already, but it's just another. Little indication, isn't it, into how badly the club has been run in recent years, and how it's probably not really given us the opportunity to to maybe stick to our guns a bit more and say no, we want seventy million for this lad or seventy five million for this lad because we've got to get it through today. We were definitely hamstrung a little bit with it because, as you said there, Matt, if the rumours that are due or the, the gossip that is doing the rounds that we needed to to sell to get that money in, then. Tottenham had us over a barrel, really, so we had no option. I would have liked more. I think we could have maybe got more, but you know he's probably, he's got two years left on his contract. So now, the time, well, he did have two years left on his contract. Now would have been the time to cash in, and we needed the money. It was plain and simple. And I think, like you said, there it's an indication again of how poorly the club has been run in the past. So yes, I would have liked more, and and of course as well, you know, there's rumours as well, isn't it, about how. Some of the FIFA Deli Alley when he plays his games could have been taken off that as well. So you've got to all take these things into account and in consideration of all of that, we've probably done as well as we could have out of it. Yes, I would have liked more. I think he's definitely worth more. I think in terms of what he did for us and what he could potentially be, he's worth more. Uh, Mick touched on there about how with the, the squad spares have got and how Conte is going to be his manager now, I think he'll really progress and flourish under their system and... and and the players he's got around him. So we'll see the true value of him, hopefully, you know, this season. And well, not hopefully, because hopefully it goes wrong and we, we you know, we got our money, but you know the points I'm trying to make. But yeah, going back to the money that we've got now to strengthen, you know, none of us have got any confidence in them at the moment because we haven't got a good track record over the last five, six, seven years of, of recruitment in. I just hope the new system of or the new structure with Thelwell in there, Lampard obviously having negotiations. Fingers crossed, Michelle, he's not sticking his oar in like he has done in the past as well. That we can bring in some of the players that will help us, like I touched on earlier, that will improve. And I use Palace as an example because I think they recruited extraordinarily last summer to the point where 
they became a very stable Premier League club. And they have now strengthened again in the transfer window. And they look like they could push on again and maybe, maybe not European places, but they could certainly push to be a top half team. That, unfortunately, is where we are at the moment, what we've got to do. We've got to get the three or four players in that will improve us and get us away from that relegation zone. I would happily take top 14 now. I would happily take that. I know that's not good enough for for us. And I know we expect more, considering the, the recent history we've had of, you know, I know it's going back a bit of a decade or so now, but finishing in the top five, top six, top eight regularly. I know top 14 seems a little bit of a you know, not very sort of ambitious, but I think that's realistic for us now to achieve. What we need to do is stabilise again, get good recruitment. Let's see some younger players being brought through because Anthony Gordon's proved that we've got a good young youth academy there. And then let's stabilise and then the next season or the next transfer window, we can build on it again. That is how you should do it and that's how it should be done. We've not done that in recent years because as soon as we've got a bit of money, we've thrown it to... Players who are probably on the last big, big salary, big transfer, big contract, and in the end, it's not worked out for us. And we've seen consequences of that in the most recent season where we've nearly gone down. So I just hope. I think it's a massive summer. We say this every year. We say it every year. But it's a massive summer. We have to get recruitment right because, and I believe they will. I think they definitely realised. I hope they realised from the mistakes. I'd hope with Lampard's contacts as well and the pull that maybe he has, we can get someone of the likes of some of the Chelsea youngsters coming towards us, helping us improve. And that could be the catalyst for it to start, but it's, it's going to take a few years. It's going to take a few years. We're not going to do it overnight if we do it to bonus. But yeah, like I said, I would bite your hand off now for tops of 14, 15, just to stay clear of that relegation dogfight again like we had this season. It's interesting you, you mentioned Crystal Palace there, because I know, Mick, you've been tweeting about them a lot in the, the last 24 hours. Obviously, they're signing a different Decore uh, to come in and play in their midfield, effectively, as someone to to replace Conor Gallagher. It, it, for you, I think, I think I know the answer to this question, but is that the model that Everton need to go down, do you think, with this this chunk of cash they've got going? Be, I suppose, that the, do, you, do you want to see Everton go down that route? And I suppose the second part of that is, do you think Everton and Kevin Farwell have had the time to establish that kind of network of contacts and scouts given not only how short he's been in the job, but the situation that the club were in last season and whether they can, whether they could have concurrently planned for Premier League safety or the Championship. It, it must be difficult for him, mustn't it, as well? Yeah, I think I think in terms of like trying to replicate what, what Crystal Palace have done, for instance, I think I don't think Everton have got a choice because if Everton want to to, to revert back to, to, to what I grew up as, at least Everton being in that... You know, Everton were a consistent top eight club for the first decade that I watched them. And, that, you know, I'm sure in contrast to, to Paul, that, that doesn't seem like a, a massive thing, but <laughs> I'll take that, I'll take that now. But for us to get back to to get back to that level at the very least, Everton have to they have to almost go back to what David Moyes did initially. And that's I think what a lot of football clubs with the likes of Crystal Palace and Leicester and even West Ham now with Moyes in charge and Brighton, Brentford have come up, Nottingham Forest have come up and, and, and their type of recruitment strategy looks very promising if I was a Forest fan anyway. There's, you can't compete. You can't compete with the top six, but you can't if you, you can't get in the same ring with them and, and you know, you not you can't punch them at the same type of weight that they're punching. You can't offer the same type of money for the same type of... Because if you are offering the same type of money, you're just not getting the same type of quality. 
So you have to go about it a different way. Um, and I think Crystal Palace, especially, like, are a great example because it was only 12 months ago. I don't even think they they had a manager. They were in a very similar situation to us in, in Tottenham and that day. They were very indecisive. I think they were days away from, just like Everton were, supposedly appointing um, Nuno. Um, there, was, there was close links to, to Steve Cooper and obviously they, they eventually landed on, on, on Patrick Vieira. But over the last couple of years, slowly but surely, I think it's Dougie Freeman who's in charge of their recruitment or at least their director of football. Their recruitment has became a lot more um you know a lot more a lot more clear there's a, there's a very evident strategy and with Roy Hodgson in, in charge you know for, for his faults as maybe as a progressive manager in in the modern day there was a almost a stability there that allowed the, the people behind the scenes to to just get on with it and kind of remodel the football club so that when someone like Patrick Vieira came in or in a couple of years time when, when someone maybe a little bit better comes in the, the club can kick on that's what Everton needs to do now. Whether Lampard's that type of safe pair of hands, I'm, I'm unsure. Um, but in terms of the recruitment, that's that's the same type of pathway. And I think last summer, especially Palace, proved that it doesn't take long to completely change the direction on a football club. At least, or at least you know, I don't think they they finished last season with, with a lot more points. But in terms of the optics and, and the perspective around the football club, it's 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 a lot better. Um, in terms of when you asked about whether Felwell's got has had the time, I suppose. Listen, I, I don't know what he does day to day. Um, maybe this is me being very blunt, but it doesn't take 12 months to to decide on a player. There's enough stuff out there, whether that be video, being able to, you know, watch games every all day to decide on a footballer. You don't have to go out and, and scout them in person. There's enough data, there's enough there's enough things online for you to, to make a very well, you know, informed decision. I'd be disappointed if there wasn't a clear... Um, a clear change in strategy this summer. I know it's early days still, but I think, especially with new owners potentially coming in, and especially you know with with Richarlison, who knows whether who knows how many other sellable assets we have in in the future. A lot of that will depend on on the progression and the performance of the likes of Calvert Lewin and Anthony Gordon, which at the moment I think a lot of people would value them quite high. But with injuries and with Anthony still being quite young, nothing's there. It's quite you know, decisive really. Um, so yeah, I think I think there's there's got to be a big change this summer, um, and I think Thelwell at least had, has had has had the time to 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 try and to try and implement it. Or at least I don't think we have a head of recruitment yet, which is a bit worrying. <laughs> yeah, quite concerned. I suppose you know, Everton should have been planning for this day for a while, shouldn't they, Paul? Because we've all known probably from for a couple of years now when those are links to Barcelona started, then Real Madrid, and then. I think it was well documented that Richardson said he, you know, was going to give us one more season under Angelotti. Then the club let him go and play in the Copa America in the Olympics, and he stayed again. I think as another show of good faith. But this has been in the offer for a while, hasn't it? You'd think that Everton have got some kind of plan in place to to deal with this. Well, I think we'd all agree that Everton's strategic planning abilities have been absolutely abysmal hasn't it, over, over the past seven years. So, you know, you, so I've, I have no confidence that Everton have a strategy in place you know, for, for replacing Richardson and have a list of talent which is ready to sign under the cross line. I, I sincerely hope I'm wrong, but, you know, you know I know we, we've referred to the uh, how inept the leadership of the club is at the moment. You know, when you think that we have... On the Mashiri's reign, close to seven managers for seven years, something daft like that, you know. And, and you, you, you know, 
Michael made me some very good points about Crystal Palace. I, I, I'm quite, I'm also, I would be quite fascinated by by the Brentford model as well, given what they've achieved, given where that they come from. And I remember reading and thinking about when Mark Walter was the manager there, he came from this idea that he wanted to change the style of play to this system he preferred. And the board kind of said, well, look, at Brentford, we play this way. Either you conform to that way we want to play or you go elsewhere. He went elsewhere. And I always feel that Everton have kind of lacked this strategic vision. What Everton is, when you come to Everton Football Club, this is what the fans expect. This is the type of football the board expects. So, We've gone from such a variety of different managers to progressive football with silver to dour defensive dullness with, with, with Big Sam to, you know, to a few bright shafts with Carlo to the hideous days of, 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 of Benitez. You know, when you think the managers we've gone through in, in Mishiri's time, it, it, it's absolutely, you know, it, it's it been appalling. So going back to your original point, Matt, do I think we've got a plan, please? Uh, the answer is I, I really don't think, and as Michael just points out there, you know, we still don't have a head of recruitment. I mean, that's kind of a... A legacy of the Benitez clearouts, isn't it? And, and as we discussed at the time, how can you, you know, let the manager absolutely you know, uh, destroy the club system and then sack him after he's done it and bring somebody who has no time to replace that? So, uh, you know, I know you talked about the, the, the potential takeover in the past on this show, and you know, I'm certainly coming more around to way of thinking that is it after seven years, is it now the time for a change of, of ownership? And maybe you know someone coming with some brighter ideas, and and someone knows how to use money better. I suppose even that in itself, though, Warren, doesn't it makes it even harder for Kevin Falwell? I mean, can can he go out and say, "I want to sign this player for twenty million," and Farhad Mashiri signs it off, and then Farhad Mashiri's not the owner of the football club in a couple of weeks? You know, it it, it almost feels like he's been given like a. One of those challenges on footy manager. You know, your team finished 17th, 16th last year on 39 <laughs> points. Your best player is gone. You're on the transfer embargo because you're changing owners. Keep them up again next year. You know, it's it's such a tough job for him to come into, isn't it? That's that's my one concern about the, the, the ownership talk at the moment. I know that I agree with Paul. I think there does need to be some sort of change and some sort of structural change at boardroom level just because of the way everything all turns out during last season. And you mentioned there as well, Paul, about the you know the hideous stuff with Benitez about how he was given free reign essentially to control everything, and then he was gone the next week. So it shows that there was no clear strategy, and that is my concern with the new ownership. I think while we've got this, they've come out of the Everton and said, "Look, this is our new plan. This is our new structure review. This is what we're going to do." We have to trust that because we've got no other option, and we have to trust that and let that work and hope it works. The problem is, if we do get new owners, used to say they don't want their own people in, their own manager, their own this. And the last thing we need at the minute is upheaval, is, you know, change again. We need some sort of stability. I really believe if we keep some sort of stability going, because West Ham, I made, I made a comment, Paul, you were on the show I did with you a while back, and I made mm. the comments about West Ham. Yeah, and I said yeah. they, were, they were very similar to us a few years yeah. ago, fans going on the pitch and, mm. and disrupting the game and, and protesting. And, and not fe- not being in a great place. And look at where they've come in the space of three, four years. Yeah. They've had Rice, second Rice come through. Hopefully Anthony Gordon has the same impact for our team and we can get a few other youngsters. I really believe the short term going into the medium term Everton needs stability and then you can start doing the long term stuff. I think Thelwell probably has had enough time to at least have some plans in place to say, this is if we go down, this is if we stay up, this is if Charles leave, this is if two players leave. Here's the options. 
I think they've probably been waiting on this money, to be honest, from the Charleston to come through before they can make any sort of decision. I think as well, what I will say to go in the credit of the recruitment side of things, I think the, the fingers have been burnt last season with what happened. And I do firmly believe it was a wake-up call to everyone at that club who was in a position of power. We've messed up here and we need to sort this out so it doesn't happen again. And what I will say going in, in terms of recruitment as a positive, we made two very good signings, I believe, in January, in Patterson and in Michaelenko. Two younger players, cheaper, who have the potential to, to be really good and at a really good Premier League level with resale value because they're young enough. Lampard already said that Patterson would have made his debut before he got injured. Michaelenko, for me, has done absolutely brilliant in the back half of last season from where he started to now where he's become a very solid, dependable Premier League left-back who can get forward but also defend very well too. They're the type of signings that hopefully we will make now in the future. Young, hungry, wanting success, wanting to improve, wanting to work with a younger manager as well who has progressive ideas. That is the way we need to move. And what I will say is that, yes, there's a lack of faith from fans at the moment in terms of our recruitment policy because we've seen next to nothing in the last seven years bar the bright signing that we've made, including Charleston. But I think certainly we're going in the right direction in terms of what we're looking for. If we can add another three or four players, like I mentioned earlier, who are of the same age bracket. I know we've been linked with Billy Gilmore, Conor Gallagher, a few other younger players. I would love to see someone someone of that ilk come to Everton. Not necessarily them. I even though I do rate Billy Gilmore and I do rate Conor Gallagher very highly, but even if it's not them, of that age and of that energy and of that hunger, because that is what is going to make us a side that is going to be progressive in the league this season. So, yeah, I think there has been mistakes learned, I hope. We're seeing little bits of progress in terms of that and a little bit of evidence in that with the signings I've mentioned. And hopefully, the priority is now stability. Here's what we need. Keep us in the league. We can build up from that again next season and, and beyond that when you know we move into the new stadium as well. Yeah, so I totally agree with all that. And we've got we've got no reason to doubt Kevin Fowler because he's not done anything yet, I suppose. But I, I suppose just as Evertonians and given the six years we've had under Mashiri and the bad luck we've had with directors of football. You just sort of have this inbuilt scepticism down here to, to, to these kind of things. But just um, just wanted to quickly speak about Anthony Gordon as well. I think you've all mentioned them at, at some point. I'll, I'll come to you on this one, Mick. Then, then Paul and Warren, feel free to follow on. Uh, very quickly, just linked the Spurs out of nowhere this week, really. I think it kind of caught us all by surprise. Feels like it'd probably be a bit too soon for him, albeit after a, a really good season. You can understand why you might want to go and play with Harry Kane, Son, Richarlison, Kulisevsky under Conte in the Champions League, et cetera, et cetera. But just feels like after just one campaign at the top level doing pretty well, he probably needs to build on that a bit more by playing regular fuzzy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, straight away when I heard the link, it was like all I could think of was, was, was Conte and his track record of, of turning wingers and, into wing-backs. And I thought, I, I actually think Gordon would... Wouldn't actually be too bad. He, you know, he's, he's quite a, a grafter. Is is obviously his output in, in, in the finals there isn't the greatest yet. So I think he maybe actually suit that, especially under a coach like like Antonio Conte. But I think, I, I obviously I don't think that that move's going to happen. I, I think I remember reading it might have been in the Athletic that there's 
pretty much everybody has has a price, but but there are from from Lampard's side, I think four or five players who he just deems just not sellable this summer, and I think Gordon will probably be one of them. Um, I think straight away Lampard pinpointed how much of it, how much of talent is and how important he would be to to get a result, even if he doesn't have the quality and and hopefully we we can see that progress. I think having that type of character and, and let's be honest for. For someone who's loan at Preston last year, it really didn't go to plan. You know, the the type of, you know, individual, the determination, how he plays off the ball is really, really commendable compared to other players that we've that we've had who've been who've cost a lot more money and are on a lot more a lot higher wages. Um it wouldn't surprise me if it's just his, his agent trying to push for, for for a bit more money contract wise, to be honest. Albeit I know the links have kind of came from from Tottenham's end, but it's not the it's not the, the most unsurprising thing when, you know, an agent's kind of heard that a certain club's interested. He, he knows his players, you know, performed at a decent level last season and, and knows there's, there's opportunity for a new contract and I think he probably probably deserves one, really. Paul, what about you, mate? Yeah, so I think I think Michael's told the situation quite succinctly there. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I, I think given the fact we're just over Charles and the Tottenham, there's no, no way we can entertain the idea of Andy, Andy Gordon going to Tottenham as well. And I know one touched on before about Wayne Rooney. It's not quite the same as Wayne Rooney, but you don't want to see your best young players leave the club because, take it for the young supporters, you've got to, you've got to have a local lad on the team, someone you admire, someone you look at, and think I could do that in five six years time, but if I keep playing really well, so yeah. And I think also that um, in terms of the last season, we mentioned for Charles and the impact, the difference he made in getting us over the line. I'd make the same case for Andy Gordon. I think his displays in the second half of the season were a vital factor in, you know, in moving the club out of danger. And once again, he was also somebody else who had this bond with the crowd and that really helped to, to push us over and, and, and to get results. And of course, you know, his winning goal against Man United, those three three points were quite crucial towards the end of the season. So I think, as Michael's outlined there, I think it, it's speculation. I, I don't really see where he fits into the top side at, at the moment. And, I think, you know, as a young player, I mean, I may be wrong on this, I don't know the mindset of the young players these days, but surely as a young player, you want to be playing week in, week out. You want to be improving your game week in, week out. Anthony Gordon, you know, basically, if he maintains the level of performance from last season, he's guaranteed a starting game in every, every Everson match this season. He's not guaranteed that at all. And certainly at his age, I think he needs to be playing every game because I, I think if you end up... You know, you look, you look at what happened to Ross Barkley, who's kind of wasted the last two or three years of his career, and he was an outstanding player, in my opinion. You just want to, you would not want to that happen to Andy Gordon. So, obviously, as Michael said, every player has the price. You know, and if Tottenham were to come in with a ridiculous amount of money, you know, we'd probably have to consider it. But you kind of hope that there's a few um, non-negotiable lines that Lampard has with the board at the moment, and one of those certainly is we're not going to sell Andy Gordon. I made a comment, Matt, on a show a while back, and it was on one of the subs weeklies about when I went to the, the Chelsea game in December. And I, I've made this comment before. I said, you know, that night we were severely depleted with injuries, COVID, whatever you want to call it. And Anthony Gordon was actually a senior player on the night. We had Ellis Sims up front, Lewis Dobbin came on, Branthwaite started. And we came away with the points, and I, I thought that was a really brilliant game. And one thing, and I'm basing it all on this game, one thing that I noticed that night is he put a shift in a performance that was mature beyond his years. And it felt to me watching that he looked at that and thought, right, even though I'm a youngster, quote, unquote, I've got to now grab this great game by the scruff of the neck and, and do my bit for this football team and this football club. 
I think with that alone and the evidence, of, and this is just me talking, I don't know if there's any, anything to back this up other than what I've seen against Chelsea. I think he's probably looked at the sale of the Charleston today and thought, right, next season, I'm the main man. I'm going to step up and I'm going to show all you that even though he was brilliant for us, I'm going to be the main man of this football club. Like Paul alluded to, he's not going to get that at Spurs. He's going to be essentially another fish in quite a big pond at Everton. He's a local lad. He's got huge support within the fan base. Again, like Paul alluded to, youngsters are good. The kids are going to love him because of who he is. I think he'll. I think potentially he could thrive again at Everton next season because he will be the main creative outlet for us. And I think, yeah, he'll be playing every week, week in, week out. And, and he can only progress by playing week in and week out. What I will say is, though, I mentioned earlier about how we failed with Charleston with our recruitment and with how we've performed these last few years. If in the next two years we're in the same position again and we're talking the same things what we're saying today on, on this show, he'll go. Gordon will go. So it's important for us now to show him and the rest of the squad, whoever the new players you may come in, we may not be where we want to be, but there's enough with Kevin in this club. New stadium, we're going to aim for European football, blah, 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 whatever it might be. You need to stay and be a part of this. And if we haven't got that in place in the next two, three years, unfortunately, we're going to have to say goodbye to Gordon one day as well. But I think, I think the link was very tenuous for me anyway. I don't think he'll leave this summer. I think he'll definitely be with us next summer. And he can be a real sparkling and shining light for us again, like he was this season. I think he was very close to being player of the year again this season for me. Yeah, give him a good number as well. Like number 10 and number 7 are both available now. <laughs> I want to see kids walking around town everywhere. Gordon, Gordon 10. Just Gordon, yeah. yeah. And even yeah. I know that sounds I know that sounds quite yeah. sort of it doesn't sound like a big thing, but I think something like that, Everton's number 10 or just number 10 in general is quite an important number in football. As you said, give him that, give him the responsibility and let him let him thrive at the football club, which he started to do with this season anyway. Absolutely. Uh, and just before we finish off, not loads of reports in regards to the incoming players. Obviously, Harry Winks is one that's been mentioned a lot. Some reports today that Everton may be stepping away from that. Just to be interested to get everyone's sort of thoughts on the players that have been linked over. I think Emmanuel Dennis is another one, Mick from, from Watford. Um, and either of those two particularly appealing to you or anybody else that we've been linked with so far? Yeah, I, I mean, I like... I'm probably in, in the minority who likes Harry Winks. I, I think in an ideal situation or or if, if I was in charge, for instance, he, he isn't someone who who I'd like to actively try and pursue, but I, I can see the logic behind it. And, and I think if there's anything Everton haven't, you know, had in recruitment over the last couple of years is, is, is logic. Um, I think he's a boringly sensible transfer is, is how I phrased it the other day to Rob. Um you know, we, I think I think if we signed him, I'd, I'd like it to be on loan, and I think for sure I'd, I'd want someone else in there with him as well. Um, but I, I don't think it would be as as terrible as some people try to make out. Um, I think Emmanuel Dennis is another one. I think he'd be all right. I don't think he'd. I think to replace Richardson, I think he'd be. You know, I don't think you can replace Richardson like on, on his own. I think he's not not as such as that. He's such an outstanding player, but that. He's such a unique player, and that even in the, the four seasons that he was here, he, he he still never really, you know, kind of like had his own role or, or position in, in a team. Whether that was because of different managers or, or different in, in styles or injuries, he never kind of 
he was never able to place down a, a specific position, but although that was more so due to other circumstances, I think to, to, to replace him, I think I'd go with someone like Dennis and then someone a little bit younger who 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 can replace the the value that Richardson has now in, in, in a couple of years' time as well. Paul, anyone that linked with in the last few days that you think would be great signings or no one really appealing, yeah? I mean, I think the problem with Harry Winks is once you let Richardson go, you're looking for like a a sound's going to excite the fans. I don't think Harry Winks is quite in that category just yet. But I mean, he's played on 250 Premier League games, so he's obviously got some level of ability. And he, I think we are quite short in midfield anyway, so not the most exciting signing, but but I I, I could live with it. But I, I would expect something slightly better. Uh, yeah, Emmanuel Dennis. I mean, he's got ten goals to offer last season in, in a pretty awful team. Uh, even scored against us at Goodison that five-two game as well. I think so. Uh, he'd be someone I'd be quite interested and maybe give an opportunity to, um, because he's played at Premier League level. He, he can score goals. So once again, you, you kind of think there's some potential there. I mean, it's anyone but Rondon at the moment of front, isn't it? As far as we're concerned. And uh, I always have this thing about you know. I look at Jared Bowen at West Ham and think, you know, they took a chance on a championship player, really good player, they took a chance. You know, I look at Keane Lewis, the whole sissy, who's been getting some really good reports at the moment. And I'm kind of wondering, should that be the kind of the market we're now looking at, where we're kind of identifying promising players in the championship and give them the chance to step up? And I watched, I followed Ellis Sims' progress at Hearts last season. I, mean, I thought he did okay. And I don't say he's the answer, but he's somebody else who might be back, back in the equation for us next season as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's um, as ever, you know, when we're linked with things, it's always, it's all signed on the dotted line. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm never, never totally convinced it's going to happen. But I also agree with what Wallace said before. I mean, uh, you, you mentioned that Conor Gallagher. I, th- I think he would be, if we could get him, he would be a brilliant signing for the club. He'd, he'd give the whole place that bring creativity to midfield as well. Be happy with the Gilmore as well. Um, and, uh, you know, if there's any other sorts of players available there, it's, you know, it's some of the European clubs who we can bring on on loan. I mean, Moise Keane, what's the situation with him now? He's still on a two-year loan, but we haven't got a recall clause. Is that right? I think there's an obligation, isn't there, to buy him? And Juventus, but Juventus could probably sell him or can get somebody okay. else to buy yeah. that. Are you going to answer there, mate? you know a bit more about that? Oh, I think it's 26 million. I think they've got, they've got to... We they've got to buy him, but it's next summer. But if they wanted to to pay it early this summer, they can do. Okay. Well, yeah, but I think we'd all agree we desperately need at least one striker and possibly two strikers because we can't go into the first game of the season with DCL and Rondon as our only striking options because one injury to DCL and then you've got Rondon to carry through the first half of the season doesn't inspire me with confidence to be honest. Yeah, uh, Warren. Finally, you made it based on the way you reacted to Paul saying Keen Lewis Potter. I'm guessing he rocked your answer there, did he? Well, it was the one I was thinking of. I, I, I mean, I had a few ideas in my head. I think the one the thing that I really care about is squandering so much money in the last few years. Is that I think if we'd have been a bit more secure with our spending previously, we would have been all out for Brennan Johnson. I think Brennan Johnson is going to be an unbelievable yeah, Premier League yeah. player this year. I went and watched me mate and work. He's a Forest fan. I went and watched Forest and Blackpool um, in the league this year and he actually tore them apart. I think he's going to be a fabulous player and he's already proven on the international stage as well, scoring against Belgium. I think what I will say is, yeah, I'd love Billy Gilmore. For me, the night he played England, Scotland in the Euros, I think he came of age that night, Billy Gilmore, and he proven against a really decent England side that let's remember made the final. 
that he can cope playing in this league. I know he didn't have a great time at Norwich, but he did have a great time at Norwich last season. So I think under Lampard in that team, with a Decore next to him and maybe another solid midfielder next to him, I think he could really flourish and help us keep the ball and maybe help us play in the system that Lampard wants. I'd love Conor Gallagher daily. I think that would bring us massive amounts of energy, similar to what he brought to Palace. Whether or not that'll be achieved, I don't know. I think with the Harry Winks thing, I think why everyone's so against it is, yes, it's not a name that excites, but going with our recruitment history in the last few years, it just seems like we've gone right. He plays Premier League, let's pick him, let's go for him. It just doesn't seem like a well-thought-out timing. That's what's put a lot of people off. So, yeah, I'd love to see. I'd love us to go down in Championship and buy some players. It's been proven, like Jarrod Bowen, like Bowen, what Paul's already said. There's so much talent in that Championship that we could really harness that and bring that forward. And again, young, hungry players is what we require. The only other name I'm going to mention, it sort of goes outside the age range and I've, I've been banging on about to sign and not sign all the players, but I think it would be an unreal signing for Everton and certainly one that would maybe encourage others of that ilk to maybe give us a chance and join us. I know we've been trying to, reports have suggested we've been trying to turn Christian Eriksen. If we can get someone like that through the door, he's a proven quality player and look at the impact he had for Brentford last year. I think someone like him with his vision, his ability, his skill to pick out you know, if DCL stays at DCL in the box to get him on the goal scoring once again, I think that'd be a magnificent signing for Everton. So let's hold on and let's see. I mean, at the moment, it doesn't look too rosy. It's not going to when you sell arguably your best player, but let's, we, all we can do is have trust and faith and hope we bring in some, you know, three or four players that can help us progress. And I'd certainly be excited with any one of those names that myself and the lads have mentioned. Yeah, Ericsson would be wonderful, wouldn't he? I think even if he did stick a, a ball on Rondon's head, couldn't he? He'd, be, <laughs> yeah. he'd probably get a few goals next season if, if he came in. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Lots to transpire, of course. Um, Richarlison is gone, but Everton are going to try and move forward. But we'll see how it all goes over the next few weeks. Cheers to Mick, Warren and Paul. That has been your weekly show. If you want more from us, as ever, do come and join us over on the Blue Room Extra. The show is going up there every day at the moment over the course of the summer. Patreon.com slash the Blue Room Extra. Did a transfer pod earlier with Dave Downey and Rob Vera, which was fascinating. Loads of good discussion on that. So do check that out if you want to hear a bit more from us. But in the meantime, everybody's doing well. Up the top of you, so we'll speak to you again soon. We work with local farms right in our own backyard to bring you food that's fresher than fresh. From homegrown watermelon that makes your mouth water to crisp corn picked right around the corner. Come pick out some yourself because shopping for local produce should be as easy as shopping at your local bakers. Bakers, fresh for everyone. When you're a Boost member, you get free delivery, double fuel points, and lots more. Sign up at bakersplus.com boost. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.